Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of Genesis. In those days, the Lord God said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grave, that I must go down and see whether or not their actions fully correspond to the cry against them that comes to me. I mean to find out. While Abraham's visitors walked on farther toward Sodom, the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Then Abraham drew nearer and said, Will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? Suppose there were fifty innocent people in the city. Would you wipe out the place rather than spare it for the sake of the fifty innocent people within it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to make the innocent die with the guilty, so that the innocent and the guilty would be treated alike. Should not the judge of all the world act with justice? The Lord replied, If I find fifty innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham spoke up again. See how I am presuming to speak to my Lord, though I am but dust and ashes. What if there are five less than fifty innocent people? Will you destroy the whole city because of those five? He answered, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. But Abraham persisted, saying, What if only forty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it for the sake of the forty. Then Abraham said, Let not my Lord grow impatient if I go on. What if only thirty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it if I can find but thirty there. Still Abraham went on, Since I have thus dared to speak to my Lord, what if there are no more than twenty? The Lord answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. But he still persisted, Please let not my Lord grow angry if I speak up this last time. What if there are at least ten there? He replied, For the sake of those ten, I will not destroy it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart. For you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things your name and your promise. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk amid distress, you preserve me. Against the anger of my enemies, you raise your hand. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Your right hand saves me. The Lord will complete what he has done for me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. 
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And even when you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he brought you to life along with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating the bond against us with its legal claims, which was opposed to us. He also removed it from our midst, nailing it to the cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia. The word of the Lord lasts forever. What is this word that is living? He has brought us to his Son, Jesus Christ. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg. If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? 
to those who ask Him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, friends, we have Jesus teaching us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer that summarizes what should characterize every prayer that we say. It's not that it's the only prayer He wants us to say, obviously, but it is the model for all prayer. And I want to go through it, because you and I say it every day. We will say it a little bit later in the Mass. And we need to understand more deeply the different, very familiar phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And I want to especially connect them here today with the most fundamental moral commitment of the people of God, and that is to defend innocent human life. We are, of course, committed to that. The Lord's Prayer, in fact, all the different aspects of our faith, clarify, enlighten, inspire, and deepen that commitment. So we start by saying, Our Father. Our Father. If He is the Father of us all, what does that make us to each other? Brothers and sisters. Now, of course, there's the deeply spiritual meaning of this in the body of Christ, that He is our Father because we have become His sons and daughters through baptism. And so, in that sense, one can call God Father only in the grace of baptism. But, of course, there's the wider sense of God being the Creator, in which case all can turn to Him and say, well, on the level of creation even if we don't yet share adopted sonship in, in Christ, nevertheless, we turn to God as the source of our being, Him in whom we live and move and have our being, as Paul preached. That makes us all brothers and sisters. All who share human nature are connected with one another, and the church teaches that by His incarnation, by taking that human nature on Himself, in Christ, God has united in some fashion every human being to Himself. Born and unborn. Just by saying, Our Father, we are acknowledging the bond of unity that exists between us and others, between us and the unborn children that we are trying to save. Our Father who art in heaven, there's our true home, and in that home there is the fullness of life. We see God as He is. Scripture tells us in the book of Revelation, we have that beautiful vision of heaven. Scripture tells us there will be no more death. Heaven is the place where death is unknown. Life is to the full. That's what He came to bring us. Life never ends because we're living in God. He is living in us. Hallowed be thy name. We want the name of God to be honored. That is the sense, in fact, in which Abraham prayed when he asked, well, if there are only ten people in the city, will you destroy the whole city? Shouldn't the God of justice judge, judge, judge justly? You don't want, Lord, your... You don't want your reputation to be smeared. 
And you know, Moses prayed the same way when his people had gone astray down at the bottom of the mountain and God said, I'm going to destroy them. And Moses pleaded with him and said, don't let the nation say that God created this people only to destroy them. He was appealing to God for God's own reputation. And in fact, in the prophet Ezekiel, when God talks about bringing the people back from exile, he says, I'm not doing this so much for you as for myself, that my holy name will be revered. Hallowed be thy name. May thy people not act in such a way as to ruin your reputation, O God. That's why we're the people of life, because God is life. And if we act contrary to life, and if we don't show reverence to life, and if we don't protect life, well then, brothers and sisters, we're not hallowing God's name. Every abortion is an insult to the Creator. It's an insult to that child. It's an insult to all of us who share that human nature, which is now being treated like garbage. But we dishonor the God who created us. But created it. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What kind of a kingdom does he have? The liturgy tells us it is a kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice, love, and peace. Nowhere in the kingdom is life suppressed. Nowhere in the kingdom are the weak mistreated by the strong. Nowhere in the kingdom is someone deprived of his or her rights. Nowhere in the kingdom is someone declared a non-person. Abortion is an insult to the kingdom. Abortion has no place in the kingdom or among those who belong to it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are not here to carry out our own will. We are here to be united with His because in obedience to His will is where we actually find freedom. So many are under the illusion that freedom comes from asserting our own will. That's pro-choice. Choice, it's the will. No, that is not where freedom is. Freedom is not in exalting ourselves. It's in being obedient to the God who made us because He knows what fulfills us. He knows what makes us happy. He made us according to His word, that is, according to His commands. And therefore, by obeying His will, which includes protecting life, we find our life. Now, every time we see a baby, we are seeing the will of God. Every time we see a baby in the womb, we are seeing the will of God. God doesn't create human beings by accident. He creates human beings because each and every one of them, born and unborn, was in His mind from all eternity. The conception of a child, no matter what the circumstances are that might surround that conception, is a physical manifestation of the will of God. In fact, St. John Paul II wrote in the Gospel of Life that that's one of the explanations of the answer to the question, why is life always good? Why is life always good? No matter how fearful or confusing or seemingly impossible the circumstances might be that surround it, why is it always good? 
Because there's always a manifestation of the glory of God, a manifestation of His will. When we say, Thy will be done, we're saying, let them live. When we're saying, Thy will be done, we're saying, let no one slap God in the face by saying a no to the yes that He has said to that human life from all eternity. Thy will be done expresses confidence that that will can be done. It expresses confidence that the demands His will makes on us, including the demands of welcoming even a life that is unexpected and inconvenient, will be demands that it will be possible for us to fulfill. Because we don't rely on our own strength. We rely on His. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. This earth, in my body, in my actions, in my words, in this part of the earth which is me, and my activities, let, O God, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. It's more than bread, of course. We ask for our physical provision. We ask here in this petition for our health. We ask for God's grace in the various circumstances of life to be able to be sustained. Sustained physically, yes, but sustained spiritually, sustained morally, sustained in the fulfillment of our vocation, sustained in always doing what is right, because it is always possible to do what is right. We will sin, but there's never a temptation that we cannot overcome, including the temptation of those who are in the worst possible circumstances that lead them to abortion. No. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today, Lord, to serve you, to persevere in the way of grace, and to serve and protect others. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us. We turn to God for His mercy because, brothers and sisters, we believe in that mercy. We trust in that mercy for any and every sin that has been committed. Because when we repent, and of course it's dependent on our repentance, we have to turn away from the sin if we're going to even ask for forgiveness, first of all. Some people say, well, will God forgive me any sin? Well, the question is, is He going to forgive you any sin of which you repent? Because if you're not repenting, well, then you're saying you're not interested in this forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive others. We ask Him to use us as an example. So we have to be forgiving and merciful if someone has hurt us. We are always ready to welcome them back. They have a task to do, however. It's not just on us to welcome them. But should someone ask forgiveness of you, remember in the Our Father, you're asking the Lord to take you as the example. In building a culture of life, we proclaim the mercy of God. The gospel of life is the gospel of mercy. And so we help those who have been involved in every sin. Again, we're relating here the Lord's Prayer, particularly to the sin of abortion. 
we help them trust in His mercy. I'm the pastoral director for Rachel's Vineyard and Silent No More. Two worldwide efforts to bring mercy, healing, and peace to those who have fallen into the terrible trap and temptation of abortion. And they every day are seeking, finding, and proclaiming that mercy of Christ, which never leaves us alone, is always seeking us. Friends, God is more interested in forgiving you than you are in being forgiven. It's not that He gets tired of forgiving us. It's that we get tired of asking for that forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't let us be deceived by temptation, which is always a lie. Friends, that's what temptation is. It makes an evil thing look good. It's a lie. Oh, and how strong that lie is when it comes to abortion. Well, because people don't see it. And then they criticize us when we show it. Like when I make videos, which I will continue to do, showing people the aborted babies. Go to lookatabortion.org. Show them. Somebody thinks they have an opinion on abortion. They think they have an opinion. Except they've never seen one. How can you have an opinion about it? You don't even know if what's, the, what's in your mind when you say the word is the reality of what it actually is. The reality of what it actually is brings a lot of people to conversion. We have changed and are changing every day the minds of countless people on abortion because we're showing them what it is. Lead us not into temptation that would make us think that a baby in the womb is not human. Lead us not into temptation that would make us think abortion is anything other than an act of violence. Lead us not there. Don't even let us go there, Lord. Don't even let us be, be swayed by those deceitful voices that are saying, this is something good. This is part of freedom. This is part of equality. This is part of health care. This is part of respect for women. These words are garbage. Abortion is violence. Take a look and challenge others to take a look at what it is. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Not just abstract evil, but deliver us from the evil one. He's a person, brothers and sisters. He's a person. The devil. He hates God, but he can't destroy God. So he tries to do the next best thing, which is to destroy what was made in the image of God. Human life. Satan wants human life Destroyed because every human life, like we said a few moments ago, is a reflection of the eternal glory of God, a manifestation, an incarnation of the will of God. Well, the devil hates that. The devil opposes that. Deliver us from the evil one. We want no part of him, Lord. We want no part of this one who exalts himself, who tries to be equal to you, who tries to take your place. We want no part of that. We want no part of this assertion of the will of the self. My rights, my body, my choice. This is nonsense. And this is the work of the devil. 
It's the work, it's the thinking of the devil that in Isaiah chapter 14, he condemned by condemning the king of Babylon for his pride, his arrogance, because the king said, I will ascend to the heights, I will be like the Most High. That's the thinking of the evil one. I'm going to assert my will, my way, my choice. Yes, even if it means killing a baby. What's the thinking of the Holy One instead? Go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 undoes Isaiah 14. Philippians 2 says, Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. It was thus that he humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death on a cross. And therefore, God highly exalted him. Brothers and sisters, when we empty ourselves of our own will, when we say, in the will of God is my freedom, I will embrace the Holy One. I will reject the evil one. We rejected the evil one in baptism, in the vows of our baptism. We are to renew that every day. Well, then when we embrace the Holy One, then the words are fulfilled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Deliver us from the evil one. Remember, he tempted Jesus. Oh, all these kingdoms are mine. I will give them to you all if you will worship me. And so he tempts those who support abortion. All these kingdoms I will give you. I will give you freedom. I will give you economic flourishing. I will give you this. I will give you that. You will give us nothing. We reject Satan and all his works. And what do the baptismal vows go on to say? And all his empty promises. They're empty. Abortion doesn't fulfill. It's not freedom. It doesn't bring equality. You know, all the things that the advocates of abortion back in the early, late 60s and early 70s as we were moving closer to Roe v. Wade were promising that it would improve society and families and women's equality, etc. None of those promises came true. Of course they didn't, because they're empty. They're empty promises of Satan. And yet we have people today who are so deceived, and I'm talking about those who are selling the abortions and their political friends, they're so deceived that they keep asserting those promises. They think there's autonomy in abortion. They think there's liberty in abortion. Unfortunately, some of those continuing to proclaim these promises are in high positions of government office, like the presidency, like the speakership of the House of Representatives, like all kinds of members of Congress, like certain governors, hello New Jersey, and others, who are actually saying that abortion has something to do with liberty. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Free us, O God, from this deception. Free your people. Friends, the Lord's Prayer says everything that we say in all the other prayers that we offer. It says everything we say in all the other prayers. 
We ask God for things. And yet, in asking for those things, we ask to be conformed fully to His will because there is His, there is His kingdom and there is our ultimate fulfillment and happiness. We thank the Lord for teaching us how to pray because in this prayer is the foundation of the culture of life and the motivation to build it. Let's continue building it. Let's continue worshiping the God who is life, the God who destroys death, the God who enables us to welcome all our brothers and sisters, born and unborn, without exclusion, all of us part of this great kingdom of life. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.